life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. It's a beautiful summertime in Utah. and uh, Yeah, it sure is. I'm driving the Lotus around without a top on it more than I ever thought I would. I'm surprised by that because you're not a convertible too. guy. I'm I, not really I, I, either, I too. but you've never yeah. – I, I think you bought the car because it had the hard top. Well, that, that was that a requirement was, that was when like I was a shopping. selling point. When I was shopping it, I was only shopping for ones that had the hard top. Yeah. But the thing I'm finding is we just happen to have that perfect weather where it's not too hot. Yeah, you know, which is so nice. that's, that's Although a it weird has been thing to say. Warm. Yeah. I so, mean, we just finished shooting over the weekend, but we'll get to that yeah, in a minute. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But what? So what's funny is I'm driving around. I, I'm commuting. So I'm doing a commute drive in mm-hmm. that car, which people do not expect. No. And so it gets lots of looks. And I've come to a strange realization while doing this. Because I'm driving a Lotus Elise. Yeah. When everybody else is driving, well, not a Lotus Elise. And uh, the right. weather's gorgeous. And I have yeah. the top off. And I realize... I have RBF. Okay. When I don't make a facial expression, I look like I'm angry. My wife has the exact same problem. We just we are people that when we make no expression, we look like we're angry about something. And I realize I've gotten subconscious, uh, self-conscious because I realize I have to at least smirk while driving this car around in this weather because I'm sorry, but I, I can't have other – I know this sounds weird. I can't have other people in their – whatever their box of boringness is look at me in that sure. car and think, that guy's angry about something because I'm not. I'm really not. <laughs> so I've got to just kind of – I have to express outwardly what I'm feeling That's inwardly. That's pretty funny. Which is this is awesome. Even what commuting brought this awesome. on? What, what made you realize this? Were people – Saying something to you? Were not they looking at you strangely? No, Were I, they, I, I, brought this I know this is the reality of my facial features. That's that's point one. <laughs> and I'm driving along, realizing there's nowhere to hide. And I'm realizing that intellectually, I'm having a blast. But if I sit there passively, my face is passive. Mm-hmm. I I know what that looks like. I know that I look like I'm angry. So I was like, I, I I need to let my face show what I'm feeling, which is I get to drive this car with the top off right now in the gorgeous sunshine, and this is awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. Anyway. Well, speaking of that, we just finished shooting season three. Everything is in the yes, can, which I can't believe. Yes. I feel really relieved, strangely, but I'm actually looking forward to the second half of the year <laughs> when we get to start shooting again you're, for season you're, four. You're relieved, and now I'm thinking about Although, the pile of post-production. Yes, but at I, least I know it's that. all in the can. That is huge. It's really huge. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a milestone. Finished that up, and uh, we should be, yeah, it should be a really diverse season. It's going to be really us. diverse. I, I can't believe the range of stuff we have. We're yeah. kicking it off with, I mean, this one's already done. We're kicking it off with uh, Tesla Model 3 versus Chevy Bolt, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic starter. But in this same season is that trip to Moab in the Jeep. How yeah. different are just those two, let and alone everything else we did? classic Mustangs yeah, it's great. at the end, it's which great. is amazing. Yeah. So that'll be coming at you July 7th. Just remember that. We'll announce a little bit more as we get closer to that date. But July 7th is your tune-in date for Velocity Season yeah, 3 for us. Yeah, that'll be great. Which is going to be a lot of fun. Well, we've got some podcasts here, and I keep getting a lot of college students that are writing to us. Lots of car debates from them, yeah. keep seeing that. And we have touched on this before, but I thought these were pretty interesting and kind of fun. Mm -hmm. I thought we'd revisit four college students. We've got Thomas in Indiana writing, and we also have Austin out in Pennsylvania. He's 20. He's in the National Guard. So we will Mm -hmm. cover these debates for you guys. And then so many great questions. Yes, thank you for questions. Really, this has been 
pretty fun. Just a lot of people I'm seeing are now writing in questions that have never written in before, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. It's really good. It's really so good. We'll get to that. Just big range on all the social media platforms. In case you don't remember, uh, we are looking for your car debates. We are getting bombarded by them, which we appreciate. We asked for it. That is either Everyday Driver TV at Gmail or through our website, everydaydriver.com. That's where the car debates go. If you have a mm. question, it can be anything car related. It can be random. I don't know that we'll cover the random ones outside of our random podcasts, but any other question you have, a thought on cars, whatever, that's what all the social media platforms are for. We check all of the three that we have, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We check all three. And at this point, it's running like 100 questions a podcast, which is awesome. Yeah. We aren't covering that many, <laughs> but thank you guys for the great questions. We're going to try. Like I said, we'll get to these debates in the first half and then uh, questions in the second. So mm-hmm. let's jump right into Thomas H. He's in Indiana. His question here is about him studying mechanical engineering at Rose Hullman. Mm-hmm. In Indiana, he's 21 years old, and he needs to find a new car after his 1998 Volvo V70R, the ECU, went out. Yeah. That is a cool car. Cool car, but unfortunately, with no brain, it's a little problematic. I suppose before we jump into both these debates, I do want to touch on the insurance question or the insurance issue for both these guys, because that always is an influence. I mean, you know, I think back to my college days, I was driving a 92 Honda Accord Mm -hmm. EX. Mm -hmm. It was a manual transmission. And I did ring that thing out. And I was, was driving fun. a beat-down Caprice Classic because if you've listened to the podcast for a while, my yeah. dad had a Caprice Classic obsession for about a decade. So we all drove Caprice Classics. I just think about you're, you're kind of driving. You don't get to really choose, I think, until later in life when mm. you've got the money and the wherewithal and maybe the ability to keep it up you know, with maintenance and all that kind of thing. And then insurance really does play in. So as yeah. much as you think, hey, you're young now and get the hot sports car – a lot of times you can't afford that, so you're driving a hoopty, you know, yeah, you're and driving some Buick that's a great from the point. 80s or an Oldsmobile. Yeah, and, and whatever we recommend here, I mean, I, that's a great point, Paul. Whatever we recommend here, please understand you're going to have to shop your insurance on any of these ideas to see if that instantly takes the car out of the running. Because yeah. in some cases yeah. it might. And the other thing that's interesting about insurance is uh, typically your insurance settings are not just your age. It's also how commonly is this car wrecked? You'd be surprised some of the random cars where, why is the insurance so high on that? Because percentage-wise, that car gets wrecked. It could be something you don't expect. It's based on stats and percentages and zip codes. Absolutely. Where cars get stolen, where they don't. Where do you park it overnight? I mean, it's really hard until you actually are getting close to even guess. So we're not going to try to guess, but that's a huge factor here. All right, so Thomas is looking for a new car. I like that V70R. That cool. made me think of those 850R wagons from the yeah. 90s. Yeah, yeah. wonder how much you can get those for, actually. You could go back in time, Thomas, and get one of those if you're into the Volvo thing. But starting with his budget, fifteen to 17000 Paul Limiter at twenty k. He said, I would really like a car or wagon or SUV, something that can do the light off-roading mm-hmm. gravel access roads to climbing crags. Yep. Which made me think... Thomas, are you a climber? It sounds yes, like Yes, that's it. what it sounds like, for sure. That's pretty cool. I we're mean, all you talking were taking climbing classics on those gra- gravel roads. Or or my 300ZX or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's just, I have a car, let's go climbing. Right, yeah. right. So that, that is the best thing about a sports car when you're a climber is, I mean, so, Mid-Inches and Mountains, the feature film we did. Yeah, yeah. All the roads on that 
I scouted either going on hikes or going on climbs Which years before funny. we shot it. Yeah. There is a great thing if you can get there about having a sports car for your climbing car. If you can get all the gear in it and you can get to your local crag because then you're up a mountain road with a sports car. But that's not everybody's right, situation. Right. If you're going down gravel roads and you're worried about a little bit of off-roading, then that's probably not ideal for Thomas. Yeah. All right. So manual is preferred, not mandatory. And he wants something with just a nice ride, nice place to be. Mm-hmm. He says at least half of his trips are in a car. In a car, over 200 miles. Yeah. Holy moly. All right. So reliable, still fun to drive. Again, rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive preferred, not mandatory. Seating for four. It sounds like you're the driver. You're the designated driver for sounds all like it, yeah. climbing trips. And he said, also, it would be great if I could camp in this car. <laughs> I, I'm into car camping. I like car camping. You just pull your stuff out and you, your car is right there. Yep. But yep. camping in the car, I... I trying to think if well, I've ever done that. But I don't know if he actually means sleeping in it or just I'm going camping and this is the vehicle I'm taking. It's uh, it's a bit unclear. It says camp in it. In the car. sleep in the car? That's kind of I mean, how it reads, but I'm not sure if that's what he means. But either could. way, you're hauling all, at minimum, you're hauling all your camping gear somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Maybe he slept in that Volvo, that V70. Probably. Those are long enough. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Huh. All right. So his car history here is a Mark IV VW GTI 03 Mini Cooper S. 98 Volvo V70R. So that's the car he's currently got. Yeah. And he's thinking about minis as well. He's thinking about a mini mini Countryman, Mm -hmm. which actually is kind of a cool choice because it's kind of the off-road mini, really. It is, yeah. I don't see anybody sleeping in minis, though. It's a mini SUV. I would love it (laughs) if somebody did the the mini, you know, the, the rooftop tent that you climb the ladder up to the top of the SUV. That's funny, Has anybody done it with the mini? It's just... A one le- one step up. It's your mini house. There you go. That's a good. short like ladder that. up instead yeah. of you know the giant Land Rover or whatever or the Expedition <laughs> or something with a ten on top. All right. So he's also thought about the Mark Seven GTI, but he thinks it's too low. Well, maybe you just got to go slower on those gravel roads. Yeah. Stay out of the ruts. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Or get some nice mud flaps to keep the gravel down. <laughs> mud flaps. My GTI has mud flaps. <laughs> exactly. I like it. Cross trek slow, and he said the CVT sucked. <laughs> <clears throat> I, I really can't argue your point there. <laughs> gonna I'm going to just gonna, say, yeah. Not going to negate yeah. that one. Audi Q5, he's yet to drive that. And he also mentions another Volvo XC60 on mm-hmm. here, which is pretty cool. And I do like all these choices. Like I said, I like the Countryman S. I do like the Q5. That is on my list of things. You need to go drive. That's got the two-liter engine in it. And if you can find one for that for 20, yeah. Oh, yeah. then I, I do think you'd like it. And the, the space so, in the back is actually pretty surprising. It's a viable option for sure. For so sure. those are pretty yeah. cool. All right, so, yeah, that's at the top of my list, but I also thought of a few others here. Kind of thinking something that is going to be long-term reliable. Okay. And that Volvo wouldn't necessarily have been on my list, but then here we've proven that out because the ECU blew. (laughs) And I guess you could get that replaced, but... On the other hand, it just depends on how much that car's worth. and Not much. Yeah. You know, if you just want to say, all right, it's off into the great, yeah. Well, I mean, it, yeah. Scrap heap in the sky, I guess. 20-year-old car at this point, the ECU is gone. It's probably time to move on. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. All right, so I thought about that Jetta Sport Wagon to begin with because it was hmm. GTI-like. It had the, sure, sure. Kind of I that see where you're family going. thread, but it's the wagon. Yeah. Can you get like a one-year-old one to get in budget here? I, I think you could go. Old? I mean, you could even go 2013 Jetta Sport Wagon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way back. But I like that all-track. I just don't think you can get in one for 20 grand yet. Mm, That's possibly the problem. Not. I, yeah, I kind of like that mark, idea. Yeah. Okay, keep going. But then I went to the Honda CRV just because of pure reliability. But sure. I I cannot say that's going to be the car that's going to 
be the greatest handling car and you're gonna have a lot of fun and mm. all that kind of stuff so it's actually the debate sounds easy but it's actually kind of hard because fun to drive manual transmission but you can still car camp or camp in it yeah go back on back roads as necessary you'd yeah. think subaru and run to subaru but no you'd think volvo maybe that xc cross country something mm. like that maybe i'm still dreaming about a50r turbo wagons <laughs> you're off lost on racing why. wagons which is really cool i have to say <laughs> Uh, 2016 Volkswagen Tiguan S. Possibly. Those are easily available for 20 grand. And then I, I'm going to leave you, Thomas, with a 2016 Mazda CX-3 Grand Touring because it is the newest. Mm, okay. It's small, even yeah, though it's not yeah. rear. I'm just going to say it's small enough that you can get some enjoyment out of it more than other larger SUVs. Sure, there's, there's some That's driving dynamics thinking. there. I see that. I there's see that. there's a little okay. bit to be found. Okay. So a little bit smaller. You might just have to carry your tent with you and sleeping bag it on the ground kind of thing. Why not? But that's fine. So I'm going with a CX-3 because okay. it is the newest and because you can get so much more car there and, you know, newer tech, all that kind of stuff. Lower sure. mileage. All right. Long-term kind of thing is what I'm thinking. But again, you might have to go older cars because of the insurance issue. You just Yeah, might. it's a big question. It's a big question. It's going to... It's gonna really be every variable of your world, what does that car cost for insurance? And that may take things out. Mm-hmm. Thomas, I actually really like the countryman idea. I wouldn't have gone there, but I see where you're at on that. That kind of makes me go, okay, what else in that area do I think you need to look at? I have two others for you. One that I, I think is going to get overlooked if I don't mention it, and then the other one that I feel like, how on earth are we not talking about it? So the one that I think get overlooked otherwise is you've said you'd like, again, all-wheel drive but rear-wheel drive if you could, uh, manual, I don't think manual is going to happen on this, but seating for four, decent space, you could off-road it. My friend, what about a BMW X1? I found 2015s for your budget. I love that. My question is maintenance and insurance. These are questions, And for I sure. know you've thought of that. For sure. That, but those I are the unknowns. I, I, I actually wonder if insurance on that wouldn't be that bad because so? it strikes me as one of those cars that why would that be a car that requires a lot of insurance? I can't imagine a lot of those got wrecked. I can't imagine a lot of really young drivers had them and wrecked them. Probably I can't imagine not. they're a car that's in that category. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's a, a uh, here's the thing. They're rear wheel drive standard. And they have decent steering feel. And don't they have that hydraulic steering rack still? Pretty in the sure X1? they do. It's gonna depend on the on the year and all that, but I'm almost certain that yeah, we're still talking about BMW good. goodness in the steering. I really think that's a serious contender here. Hmm. Check on forums, find out what goes wrong with those cars. I'm sure that everybody knows by now. But every car has its things. Yeah. And just try to find one that's fairly low miles and prepare for uh, maintenance as necessary. But I think that checks just about every box. And then I do have to say it. Why are we not now maybe it's just insurance, but why are we not talking about the prior gen WRX hatchback? Okay, yeah. This is a climber crag car, like a 2010 kind of thing. Yeah, up that... through up through when they quit making the hatch. Yeah, I mean, just get the newest one you can with the lowest mm-hmm. miles you can. You're never going to think twice about the road just turned to gravel. You don't care. You're never going to think twice about can I chuck this down a back road? Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Throw all your gear in the back. It, it's a car. It's the perfect car to not be precious and still do all the enthusiast stuff. And when the road is dirt, you're not going to care. I think you have to take a serious look at WRX hatches. I do think there's a possibility that insurance takes that one right out, but I'm shocked it's not on this list. Mm-hmm, sure, and I think yeah. if you can find one that, that all the numbers work, I think that is your kind of perfect climber car because you as an enthusiast will enjoy it, but then take it camping, take it climbing. Who cares? So It's almost a the- hosable. <laughs> just hose it out when you're done. 
well, kind of thing. It's almost yeah. Subaru builds a Jeep, but let's in many ways. But it's like the enthusiast Jeep, yeah. though, because I mean, you yeah. said you didn't like the Crosstrek because it was slow and had a CVT. Okay, let's go back and get a manual WRX hatch. Done. Maybe if Jeep built a Subaru and Subaru built a Jeep, what would those two crossover cars? They would look meet like? very weirdly in the middle in crossover land. Yes. They'd sell too. So That's Thomas, I hope something in there is helpful. I hope you drive those guys. Uh, your variables of insurance and those kind of things may change it, but I think there's something there for you. Hopefully, let us know for sure. No, I like that. Okay, moving on to Austin. He's out in Pennsylvania with the National Guard, also mm-hmm. a college student. Longtime watcher of the Everyday Driver Channel. Thank you, Austin. Really appreciate it and discovered the podcast. He's got a car history that includes a 98 Civic HX. Mm-hmm. That's and he puts in parentheses and says, I know, I know, I know. That's gas mileage. I would love to know what your gas mileage is on that because my guess is it's probably around 45, 50. Say, that's, it's what probably those spectacular. that's what those were, were built for. Yeah. Yeah. What else? An uh, 06 Subaru Impreza. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. And he's also looking for something here as spacious as he has now, four door. Pretty good gas mileage because he's got a long commute from home to school, about 40 miles, mm-hmm. and then from home to the base, which is over two hours away and 100 plus miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he says, I've had the front wheel drive thing. I've had the all wheel drive thing. He would prefer rear wheel drive, but not necessarily, you know, just a. Not a requirement, but he'd, he'd kind of like, like to go to that route him. for sure, yeah. Definitely manual. And then he's looking at BMWs too. Did you notice this? I did, yes. Actually, three of them. Three of his four that is top short list are all BMWs, yeah. He's got an E46 330i on his list. I see that, yeah. I mean, I, I love the choice. I'm just wondering about insurance for you. Is mm-hmm. the insurance The insurance be, maintenance question. These uh, are the questions, yeah. Everybody, <laughs> but as much as the car payment, uh, E39 540i, mm-hmm. E36 328i, and then this Cobalt SS is on the list. And then also, list. yeah, 2010... Or, yeah, Cobalt SS. Crazy, yeah. but which is a, which email. is a front wheel drive, which kind of it kind is. of the, the interesting thing about his list of four is I feel like it gives us other places to go, and I'm excited about what you're going to share in a second. But it gives us other places to go that kind of makes me go, yeah, but that breaks a rule and that breaks a rule. Yeah. And so as a result, I broke rules. But keep going. <laughs> okay, so the last sentence of his email here is says, "I'm looking at a budget of about eight thousand mm-hmm. dollars to buy something outright, mm-hmm. or if he could swing the financing." And he could find one that's depreciated enough, Fiesta ST. <laughs> I wish that $7,500 Fiesta ST were not a salvage title. Salvage title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I well, wish it were a genuine car. We're headed there. They're coming. Exactly they're headed right. There. Ten, ten grand is, is like real sniffing distance of Fiesta STs right now. Yeah. So it's, it's a tough re- reality. And if you could find one, I really think you should, Austin. That would be cool. However, I do have this choice for you. And I've got one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you how I got there, the thinking. It's like when you're doing a design project, you're kind of sketching your way there. You're, oh, sure. You're, you're finding your you're, way you're over time. Finding yeah. your way. Okay. You're, you're iterating, you know, sure. that kind of thing. Right. So I iterated my car choices to meet these requirements. And of course, I pushed on your budget just a touch, just a touch. Because you mentioned it, so therefore I felt like the the door was cracked. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it was. Yes. So you've got this 06 Subaru. That's the current car, the Subaru Mm -hmm. Impreza. Mm -hmm. I thought, all right, you've already gone back far enough that's suitable to get into used cars. I'm thinking, all right, why... Why are you getting rid of it? Maybe he's just moving on. Maybe something's wrong with him. Maybe it's got too high miles. Who mm-hmm. knows? But he's all, already almost got a choice that if you didn't already own that car, we might suggest for you. Okay. But you have it. So I thought, okay, something a little different is an 06 Honda Accord Coupe with 75,000 miles, manual mm. transmission for eight grand. Okay. And I thought, no, that's uh, I got to keep iterating here. 
Okay. So I went backwards. 99 Z3 Coupe, the shoe. Oh, interesting. Kind of different. Yeah. But yeah, they're yeah. hard to find. They are hard to find. The, the sweet spot is what you're talking about. This is actually harder than it seems because the shoe is either available with really high miles or the lower mileage ones are more expensive or they don't have the manual transmission. They're all automatics or mm-hmm. whatever. So mm-hmm. the right combination of that car could be cool and it could work for you. Okay. Yeah. But I'm not, you're going to have to keep looking on that one. Just take that with a grain of salt. Keep that in the back of your mind. But then I did find your car. Okay. It's at Knox Ford in Radcliffe, Kentucky. Okay. It's a 2008 Mazda RX-8 40th anniversary edition with 69,000 miles for only nine grand. Wow. Okay. It's technically a four-door. It's rear-wheel drive. It's manual. Yeah. It's a sports car. Yeah. 69,000 miles, man. Hmm. I think it's a this rotary. is your car. So, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's a rotary. There's always something wrong with the choice. <laughs> there's, there's, there's always the... something to poke holes in. Okay. Yeah. But I'm just I saying. I see it. It's an 08. Okay. 69,000 miles. It looks great. It's that mica gray with the red interior. Oh, sure. Like, yeah, that's cool. You know, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Wearing silk boxers under your suit kind of thing. Yeah, it's got right. the interior. Right. Manual transmission. What do you think? Could be okay. interesting. Take that car, run it on up to, you know, 150. Enjoy it. Have your time with that car. Okay. I like it. I like it. I have a few that all came from things you things you kind of said you're looking at. I went, wait a minute, what about this? It's an alternative. Uh, so I tried to think about, okay, that Cobalt is front-wheel drive. Yeah, yeah. So that led me to a choice. And then you talked about wanting to have four doors, spacious, and rear-wheel drive. That led me to a different choice. Because I feel like those two are kind of in contrast. Especially then, there's the, I would like to have a Fiesta ST. Right. Well, that they, opens up a weird thing, too. And that is, not only is it front-wheel drive, but... Technically, it's four doors, but I would not call that car the least least bit spacious. (laughs) So that led me to my wild card. Honestly, Austin, my wild card is my favorite car for you. But you'll see why it's a wild card in a minute. Two I think you should take a look at. Pontiac G8. That's That's a bruiser. Pontiac G8 has good space. It's going to run. I submit to you, it's going to be more reliable than any of the BMWs you're going to be able to get into. Where was I? I started seeing G8s around. I think it was in Seattle. And I just started seeing G8s. I'm like, what? Okay, they're they're here. This is where they live. <laughs> this is apparently. where they live. I mean, look, if you can get the V8 and swing the, the gas mileage, great. But even if you get the V6, I mean, that is a nice, reliable American car, rear-wheel mm-hmm. drive. You get all of those things done in it. You you may not wind up manual in that scenario, but, but I like it otherwise. Possibly. Another car that the Cobalt led me to. Okay. You can get a first-gen but I actually like them better than the second gen. First gen Mazda Speed 3 for this money. You have options, Austin, lots of options. And honestly, I think the first gen, which did not have the weird hood scoop or the strange smiley grill, I think it's aged (laughs) better than the second gen. I can see that. And it was genuinely fun to drive. In many ways, I feel like it's it's kind of toward the character of that Fiesta ST, but it's a larger, more usable car. And I think that interior has aged fairly well as well. It has. I like the interior on the second gen better, but that's just I agree. I, it's by just design, a, I guess. By technology moving forward, yeah. I see that. But I really think I, I found a ton of these, Austin. Did you? I looked. I thought, where does it happen? And, and I could find some of the second gen, like right at the top of your budget. But generally, in your budget, tons of Mazda Speed 3s. You know, front-wheel drive, but we're breaking all kinds of rules here. Well, and, and, and you've broken it anyway. I mean, once I see that Fiesta ST, I go, wait a minute. <laughs> you so, left the door open. Yeah. So you've got but four seats, hatch, 
decent gas mileage. If you're not hooning, you're going to be hooning. And it's fun when you are. Yeah. So I think yeah. that, that uh, Mazda's B3 is a great one. But then I had this thought. Wait a minute. Okay. Fiesta ST is technically four doors, but it is not big. It's not spacious. No. You know what you can get for this money? Hmm. Is a Fiat 500 a Bart, Austin? Can I you get know, it for that little? Yes, you can. can you Lots really? of them. I have a page of them in front of me. I thought they were still 12-ish. I have a page of them in front of me. I am no shocked kidding. by this. They are dropping faster than the Fiesta, and you can get them for eight grand all day long. You could buy it outright. Here's the thing. Yes, it's a two-door. You asked for four doors. Mm-hmm. But I submit to you, because I remember being in the back of both, even though it does not have the rear doors, it has more spacious back seats than the Fiesta ST. Which is kind of crazy. So ask yourself the question of why do you need four doors? Is it just about having the ability to take more than two people? I think the the Abarth gets it done better, and it's in your budget. Doesn't have the same boot space as the Fiesta, but no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You know, with four people in there, you're going to be mm-hmm. having a party anyway. So yeah. So okay. honestly, five hundred Abarth, you can really do it for your budget. You could buy one outright. You can get it in manual. Mm. It has character. It's fun to drive. It's not as focused as the Fiesta ST, pardon the pun there, but at the same time, watch our review of the Fiesta versus the 500 Abarth. The 500 Abarth is just overflowing with fun personality, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think I think it gets enough close here. It's my wild card, but it's also my favorite one for you, Austin. It's pretty amazing that they're that inexpensive now. It makes me go, hmm. I mean, what kind of mileage? Of 500? <laughs> If, if you for a winter car, is that what you're thinking? Wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs> wouldn't it be interesting to, to to hoon and a bart around, snort your way down the hill? Yes, absolutely. I fun. mean, here's the thing: be, because of the way that is, if you weren't hooning and you get up to freeway speeds and you don't don't tromp on it, I bet your gas mileage is decent. Yeah, it's probably pretty pretty yeah. good in that car. Yeah, I mean, I like that car actually in black. I just do too. Black with the red black. accents looks awesome. Looks yeah, really good like it. that. Yeah, it's just snorty fun. All right. Austin, thank you so much for writing in. And like Todd said, at the top of the podcast, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Please email us. Let us know what's on your mind and send us your story for your debate too. We've got a break to take here, and then we will come back with audience questions. Guys, if you ever wanted to help this podcast, we have a way you can do it that costs you nothing comes up about once a year. This is the Podcast One survey. This is actually a very important thing for us. You guys were vital last year in doing this survey for us. It only takes about five minutes. You go to podcastone.com slash my survey, or just go to podcastone.com and click on the survey banner. So what this does is it's a demographic survey, which is short. It's completely anonymous, but it helps align the appropriate advertisers to you, to our audience. As we found when we first started out, There were some random ads out there, and you called us out on it. So this actually helps direct the audience advertising. So if you'd like to have ads that relate to you, if you'd like to help this show stay free and run fewer ads that actually relate, that's what this survey is for. Even if you did it last year, first off, thank you. It was very helpful. We need at least 100 of you to do this survey again this year. Again, you can find it at podcastone.com. Five minutes. Please take the survey for us. It will help this show immensely. Think of all the weird things found in cars. I'm not talking about your garden variety, petrified french fries, or melted crayons. I'm talking about live snakes or bizarre trinkets. You know, the kind of stuff that just makes you wonder about. Another thing that will make you wonder, but in a good way, are Continental Belts. They're actually original equipment on tens of millions of vehicles. We're talking FCA, Ford, GM, even BMW and Volkswagen use Continental Belts. Now, Continental is launching the aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series. These belts are fanatically engineered for perfect fit, form, and function. 
They have belts for almost 98% of vehicles on the road today in the U.S. and Canada. There's enough surprises when you're working on a car. A belt shouldn't be one of them. Go with the Continental OE Technology Series Multi-V Belt, the belt with the OE pedigree. To get the full story, visit oetechnologyseries.com. During my tech career, it was always important to find dress shirts, and finding a dress shirt that fits was nearly impossible. Something's always off, you know, the collar or the sleeves, but now guess what? Ordering a custom-fit shirt has never been easier than with proper cloth. Thanks to propercloth.com, you can easily create a custom shirt by answering 10 simple questions. You can choose from over 20 collar styles. They say they've got 10 cuff styles. I didn't know there were 10 cuff styles for shirts in the entire world. They have them. 500 different types of fabric. All of this is possible at propercloth.com. Now, the team at Proper Cloth works with the best fabric producers around the world, and they only buy fabrics that meet their high-quality expectations. Best of all, Proper Cloth guarantees you a perfect fit, so that if you somehow get a shirt that doesn't fit perfectly, they'll remake it for free. So that means the whole process is risk-free. This is the future of shirts. These shirts are made completely custom for you, and they start at just $80. But guess what? If you go to propercloth.com forward slash everyday right now, you'll save $20 on your first shirt. Enter the gift code every day to save that $20 and stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Go to propercloth.com forward slash everyday. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it. GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Let's talk about Brush Hero real quick. It is a must-have, I think it is, for your car care arsenal. Brush Hero is water-powered. It's a detailing tool. It doesn't move quickly. It actually, it's this very simple little thing. You look at it and you think, how does this work? It's this very simple thing. It just has lots of torque. You can get two great brush heads, a soft one for sensitive surfaces and a harder one for stubborn, stubborn muck. I used it on a mountain bike and it was brilliant. While originally designed for fast and easy expert-level car and motorcycle detailing, the Brush Hero can clean virtually anything. You name it. Rain gutters, barbecues, lawnmowers, boats, and more. It's really easy to use. Just hook it up to any standard garden hose, flip the handy on-off switch, and start cleaning. It's a great gift idea, too. They've got an extensive line of gift sets and accessories. Everyday Driver listeners can enjoy 10% off their order at BrushHero.com with the code DRIVER. That's right. Use the code DRIVER for this show to get 10% off. You can also find Brush Hero at select Costco and Walmart stores if you don't want the discount. All orders over $40 ship for free, and again, if you use the code DRIVER, you get 10% off. There's a question on Facebook from Kyle N. asking, since we're on Fiesta STs already... Oh, yes. from If you were with us before the break, Fiesta ST, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. He's asking, is a used Hellcat for forty five grand <laughs> or a used Fiesta ST for 10000 a better buy? Mm. Ah, Kyle, I'm thinking off the top of my head that the Fiesta ST is the better buy. Not only is it less mm. money... It's going to kind of be at the bottom of its depreciation, I I feel like, for a real Fiesta ST. And as a better buy, you're going to spend a whole lot less on consumption and consumables and all that kind of stuff. Fair. For forty five grand for a Hellcat, though, that's a that's still a boatload of money. Yeah. And for forty five grand, I'm thinking other cars, though. Possibly. I looked at this differently. I actually came to the reverse conclusion. Did. I think the Hellcat might be the better buy, and here's why I say that. 
maybe this is a weird way to look at it, but okay. but because because from a, a driver's enthusiast perspective, I back you on the Fiesta ST, and I think you spent less money and less consume. I totally get that. But when I think but better from an MSRP standpoint, is that what you're? When, when I think better buy, I think this, and maybe this is a weird. But my, my brain just got stuck on this idea. If somebody says to you, "What did that car cost you?" and you say, "I got a ten thousand dollar Fiesta ST," they're going to look at it and be like, "Yeah." Yeah, it's a cheap interior. They're not going to know what it is. It's a cheap interior, sure. blah, blah, blah. It's a kind of car. Everything that comes with a Hellcat for forty-five grand, the average person is going to be like, you got all this for forty-five grand." Okay, fair. In that, looking, and I don't know why, but when I read that question, Kyle, I looked at it through that kind of perspective, and I thought, the Hellcat is the more impressive buy for forty-five grand, even though I personally would buy the $10,000 Fiesta. Although, I'm just thinking, for a Hellcat to be... I guess worth owning to sort of offset the knowledge you're going to be blowing through tires and, and yes. fuel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd think like a thirty-five thousand. Do we have to wait another two to three years before they're thirty-five Don't grand? Don't know, but I mean at forty-five, they're almost half their original cost. Almost, not quite. They were like seventy, seventy-five yeah. new, weren't they? Yeah, 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 something like that. I don't know. So, so again, I guess you have to decide for yourself because we're completely split on this. But I was just that was for some reason I was just thinking about driving a bunch of other people around, and they're like, "What'd you get this for?" And you say ten thousand dollars and look around the Fiesta, and they go, "Yeah," but the hell, Kevin, really? I, that sure. was my headspace, but maybe I'm maybe I'm off. No, in the weeds. no, I like it. Uh, that kind of relates to Parmalot's question on IG here, Instagram. Okay. He's saying. I realize this is not a car ownership economics podcast, nor should it be. Well, sometimes it is, and all we do is spend your money. <laughs> not always well, but yeah, we do spend the money. He says, shouldn't you factor in the transaction costs into the budget? When we come up with a budget or you write to us and say, here's my budget, guys. You know, He said, here in Massachusetts, we pay 5% sales tax. Mm. Yikes. That can add hundreds or thousands up of front. Course it can. And of it's course a it part can. of the reason that he keeps cars so long. Yeah. So, yes... But I don't know that anybody buying at any price point thinks about the sales tax as part of the budget. Maybe. <laughs> it's always the grand surprise. It oh, is. Oh, that's right. I have another comma to spend. And and I'm not saying that you don't think about it because you're not aware or not trying to yeah. factor it in. It's just sort of you're always focused on the price of the car. And then yeah. you think, okay, yeah, I've got that. I want the car or I bought the car. I'm going to just have to suck it up and – Go ahead and get that, you know, pay the sales tax, whatever it is. Well, and you and I trying to calculate that, you know, kind of reverse calculate that out of the equation of somebody sending us a budget. I don't think that's something we can surmount. That's enough math that just thinking about thinking about that makes my head hurt. Well, yes. And, you know, the $8,000 budget that we had say, okay, we've got to, you know, back out. Okay, where do you live? Mm -hmm. What's your zip code? You know, we're finding the sales tax in your area. So you know what? We're now dealing with a $6,500 car. And we don't recommend you get a $6,500 car. You know what I mean? So it it (laughs) just kind of be difficult to do that. But yes, I mean, gosh, when I bought the Porsche, it was just like... Yeah. There's an extra fee. Yeah. It was uh, it was yeah. not fun, let's no, put it's it not. that way. It's not. I mean, that is something you have to keep in the back of your mind. I'm not done yet when you whatever you spend your money. I'm not done <laughs> yeah. yet. And that's one of the things if you buy a car from a dealer, they're rolling all that in and all of a sudden that car that I just got that really good negotiation point, why is it a couple thousand dollars? Oh, that's what just right. happened. That's what happened. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you buy from a private owner, you split the two transactions because you want especially like I bought you know, those two cars from private owners and split the transaction. I paid for the car over here, mm-hmm. and then I went to the DMV and suddenly paid more for the car. Right. Uh, but, uh, but if you do it at the dealer, then it all gets roped in, and you suddenly you look at the line items and go, this car just got more expensive. 
Yeah. And then you think, all right, I won't feel 10 bucks more in a monthly payment or 20 or whatever. And then you just think, I just want the car. So it's, that's well, why it's not a car economics it, podcast. <laughs> it's a I want the car podcast. I want. Gimme, gimme. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Benjamin Thompson wrote in a good question, because uh, I, I feel like we have to speak on it. He says, why do we hate minivans? Oh, and I don't know that we do. I, I, let, mm. let me clarify. Here's what's up. We did a uh, when we did our feature film Mid Inches and Mountains. I didn't expect that to come up multiple times on this podcast. But yeah, our, crazy. our actual we had a press car, press Honda Odyssey minivan on that shoot, and it was our production vehicle. Right. And if you watch right. either the TV episode or the feature film of that, or actually even there's a YouTube video of it by itself, we did a <laughs> kind so of tongue in cheek review of that. Because here's the thing about minivans, they are excellent at what they do. I keep thinking that. Every time we're in mm-hmm. one, wherever it is, for rental or yes. it's a production vehicle, they're awesome. Huge space, all kinds of cubbies for everything you can imagine, and a bunch of stuff. I mean, there's no reason any normal person should be able to fill every cubby of a minivan. They swallow a lot of stuff. And, and they are very usable and all of that, and I get it. You have, you know... The entire soccer team or the Peruvian, you know, base section. I don't know what it is. My point is, <laughs> you're carrying a lot of people around, a lot of stuff. Family's growing. You need, uh, oh, that needs to be Army Man plastic so I can hose it off later. Minivans are great for that. But here's, here's the twist. We don't talk up minivans because, okay, I'm sorry. You may disagree with me if you're a minivan owner, but I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to stand on it. They're not fun to drive. You may have fun driving yours. Mm -hmm. A really good driver can laugh and cackle about driving a minivan hard, but fundamentally, they are not fun to drive. Fundamentally, they are not dynamic because that's not their purpose. They're shipping crates on wheels. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at them. So so the big thing, I'm going to go all the way back to when the show started. We started the show because I saw it at at, uh, car shows all the time. We talked about it. You would have the dad, the beat-down dad at the car show, drooling on a Ferrari. Yeah. And he would walk out to his minivan with a sigh. Yeah. This is the reason the show exists, because let's find that beat-down dad, a car that actually he lusts after, he wants to drive hard, he enjoys, that still does all of the life stuff. The minivan does the life stuff really well and nothing else. So I don't know that we hate them. It's just we're looking for driving fun that fits your life. The minivan can fit your life without the driving fun. Yeah. No, that's excellent. Absolutely. I mean, I think of, as you were saying, you know, talking about it, I was thinking of alternative cars to Mm. fill the void. You know, it's, it's hard because if you have to have the minivan for kids and gear and whatever that is, hockey practice, soccer practice, whatever that is. Yeah, okay, we get it. You've got to have it. But we're constantly searching for the Acadias of the world or the, you know, a, a the, different flavor. the fun of, hot wagon. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. That would, okay, I can make this work. But the reason I got that car over the minivan, even though it might be a little more hassle for some trips, is because the fun factor mm-hmm. is so far higher than mm-hmm. a minivan. Well, I mean, the the Lotus, okay, let, let's talk about, I, I know I run to the Lotus, but because I drive it every day, I think about this. The minivan excels at being utilitarian and, and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. The Lotus excels at being fun. And it's terrible at stuff. <laughs> so you have, to, you have to figure out where on the spectrum are you of sacrifice. What do you want to sacrifice to have one or the other? I think you could park your Elise in that minivan. Most of the time, yes. And, and there's, there's a thing. There's all kinds of stuff about just driving to get somewhere and to haul things. The Lotus is terrible. 
<laughs> but I still yeah, do those things sure. in it because the other times, like I'm driving today, just thinking this is really awesome. Mm-hmm. That's the trade-off. I love that. All right. What are the questions you find on here? Uh, let's do a Track Daily Crush from Kirk. He says uh, he's, he's, he's actually building cars for Track Daily Crush now. You ready? Okay. The 2003 uh, Focus, okay. but with a V8 rear-wheel drive swap in it. Okay. All right. Okay. I've now got the, it in my mind. I'm yeah, picturing it. Exactly. Then the 2003 Miata with a V8 swap. Okay. So like a flying Miata or a monster yeah, Miata. Yeah. Or a 1998 240SX with a V8 swap. Kirk has built us three cars and said track daily crush. Oh. Uh, hmm. That Miata is always going to be good at track stuff. So I'm going to track that Miata. Okay. Monster Miata. I am crushing the Focus. Okay. Because it's a 2003 Focus. I don't care what you screw to it. <laughs> I mean, they, they were the, you, you, could, you could see where we were headed from there. There were some things about those that were decent, but I take your point. Keep going. And the daily, the Nissan. See, I'm swapping those two out. I think I'm crushing the Focus as well because we've, we've kind of, we've built a, we've built a Franken machine there. You know, it's nothing like it started with. Right. The I think I'm tracking the Miata, and I uh, sorry, I think I'm I'm dailying the Miata. Really? Because that's just nobody sees that coming. You're sitting in a Miata in a Miata at a light, and everybody <laughs> everybody's yours. You're, you're just gone. Just the sound coming out totally. of that Miata is awesome. The '98 240 SX stripped out. I mean, stripped out to be a race car with a V8. Let's do that. That could be awesome. That'd too. be fun. Love it. All right, there's a question on here about uh, how we get a hold of vehicles for oh, our reviews. Yeah. Wafi.ys says, how do you guys and other car reviewers get a hold of private and dealership-owned vehicles? I'm curious how anyone can trust someone enough to let them drive their cars on video. You'd be surprised, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. There's some people that have approached us many times, and it's happening more frequently about, yeah, which is really here's cool. my car. I totally. want to see this. Totally. I want to see you guys drive it. I want, you, I want to know what you guys think of this mm-hmm. car. Mm-hmm. Because they either love it or they've bought it and they're having second thoughts or whatever that is. They want our mm-hmm. opinions on that. So we've had that. Forums have been a great way for us to approach people and, and get cars. And sometimes I think people haven't really considered that. They think, huh, I might like to see my car you know, yeah. on yeah, video. Yeah. And, and we're definitely saying, you know what? It's like letting a friend drive a car and we're not yeah. there to beat on your car or destroy it in any way. We're there to drive it purposefully, fast mm-hmm. and hard mm-hmm. and for what it was designed to do. But... We're there to really extract the dynamics out. We're not there to, you know, yeah. make you sorry that you will have you tires in a clutch when, when when we're done. That's still. not yeah. the point at all. So yeah, local car communities are great. Facebook has been great. Mm-hmm. It's built up over the years, but to begin with, when the show very first was starting, mm-hmm. they're all rental cars. Yeah, they had to be. And, and that, this is pre Turo as well. We had to really yeah. figure out places to rent some of those cars. It was really hard. So we were paying for the cars, mm-hmm. but now we still plug Turo cars in there to supplement a shoot that, yeah. hey, the you know the press fleet car wasn't available for yeah, whatever reason. Yeah, so or whatever, yeah. Hey, we found the 2018 whatever on Turo. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting uh, variables here. And honestly, I would say to you, Wafi, every single car owner is different. It's really yeah. fascinating to talk to people about their reasons for doing it. And it, it is a risk. It's a risk every single time. When we did our 50 years of 9-11 film, there were a couple of owners who said, I've never let anyone drive this car but me. My wife's never driven it. No one's ever driven it. And we were very candid. We said, look, if that takes you out of the running, we get it. But you need to understand, you've seen our work. We have to drive it. Yeah. So yeah. if you wanted a part of the film, we would love to have it. But 
please understand, we will be in the driver's seat. We've had other owners that the cars were offered and then fell out because the owners discovered it wasn't going to be about them. Mm-hmm. We've had yeah. that happen. Yeah. And we understand there, there are certainly those shows that have done that. Here is the car and the owner. Let's talk about the owner. Let's talk about the owner's experience. Some of those videos are very good. Obviously, that's not what we do. Some owners, I hate to say it, are kind of looking to be shown off. Yeah, and, and let's be honest, this is one of the reasons that car vloggers are so successful because they're not actually even having to drive the car. They're just letting <laughs> yeah. the drive the owner drive it and talk about how awesome he is and show, even even unspoken how awesome he is because he has this car and he's letting the vlogger sure. ride along. Right. Obviously the big thing for us is we always say, okay, please watch our stuff. I mean, that's become one of our big discussions. We get into discussion with people and I always either send them links or ask them, "Have you seen our stuff?" Mm-hmm. because you'll instantly yeah. know how we're going to drive it, and the fact that we do have to drive it, and the fact that this is not an interview piece. Right, right. And that changes a lot of things. There's also a level where some people just want to say they had their car featured. Sure, there is that. It's uh, a little bit of celebrity kind of thing that my car got featured, and I, I wouldn't say that it adds providence to the car ownership in no, any way. It it's just, just a it's cool just little a, thing. Yeah, it's just kind of cool you can point to. Like, hey, I've never seen my car driving. And what's so fun is when people lend lend us their car. They're on the shoot with us. Mm-hmm. Many times they've just given us the car and say, "Hey, well, you know, I'll pick it up from you later." But they're riding with us, and they'll comment, "I've never seen my car in action yeah. from the yeah, rear yeah. follow footage or whatever sure, that is. Sure, I've never seen it look like that." And they're fascinated to see somebody else driving it and their car in action. Yeah. You know, low speed, high speed, whatever that is on the road. And it's fun to share that with people. It is amazing how common that comment is from owners. They're like, I've never seen my car do that. Yeah. And and owners, and I think this is great, owners will stand, invariably will stand on the side of the road during our shoots with their (laughs) own phone out, and they will video their own car going by. And I love that. That always makes me laugh because it's awesome. Because when do you have that experience? Otherwise, you really don't. Yeah. No, it's it's fun. So it's it's definitely a, a number of different places, but... You know, it just kind of depends. I mean, Tesla doesn't build press cars. True. Let's and, put it that and way. And actually, I will say, Wafi, one last thing on your question. We typically don't get dealer cars. Now, we can get press cars, but most dealers are really excited to talk to us until they discover we're going to put a couple hundred miles on a car they right. get us. Right, right. They're excited because they they always seem to think it's photographs. We'll pull it off the lot into this parking lot across the street, and you'll be back in a half hour. Not what we're doing. No, we'll be back with 500 extra miles on it. Seriously. We're good so, at turning it in from a new car into a used car so, so over the dealers, course of a weekend. Dealers are not okay with it. Press fleets are great, but ne- dealers are not okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. What else uh, on here? Uh, Mark Lou too, uh, wrote in on Instagram and said he lives in Pittsburgh with a $25,000 budget. Now, this is not a full car debate, but I wanted to answer your question. Should he just go ahead and put, get Blizzax and, um, and do winter and STI? Mm-hmm. Or should he be daring and get an EcoBoost Mustang convertible and put Blizzax on it? I'm going to tell you to get the EcoBoost every single time. Yeah. Because the STI is going to be bomb-proof in the winter, but the EcoBoost, I, I submit to you, is going to be more fun more of the time. Mm. Love it. Love it. All right. Uh, EST Vicentius writes to us on Instagram, says, what are your thoughts on people who keep those dealer-provided license plate oh, brackets on the car? Oh, man. He saw a current-generation 911 4S with one, and he said, while I admired the vehicle, I questioned the dude's credibility and even his sanity. I'm with you. If 
if a dealer is going to put the adhesive, either some dealers actually make a badge oh, and stick yeah. that on. The extra Other dealers thing, just yeah. do the the small text somewhere. Well, the license plate frame is the thing you're talking about, yeah. Or the yeah. frame itself. Mm-hmm. I would go back into the dealer and I would say, you can either pay me $3,000 a year for advertising <laughs> or you can go ahead and take that off my car yeah. now because yeah, yeah. I bought it from you. Mm-hmm. Most dealers, if you ask, they'll take it right off. Absolutely, but yeah. some people don't even notice. Yeah. And I've seen car dealership license tags bought off private lots or just small business car dealer lots. Yeah. And it's still on like the front tag and nobody's really noticed or cared enough to yeah. take it off. Yeah. I want the something different, something unique and interesting and just tidies something up. I, that is the first thing to hit the trash, honestly. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a local actually uh, car dealer here that did all the work on our Acadia and they had a policy where when you took your car in and got it worked on, it came out with one of their dealer uh, license plate frames on oh. it. And after the second time I took my wife's Acadia there and came out with one of those license plate frames, the next time I went in, I, when we got done with all of the list of things, and there wasn't that much, it was like oil change and stuff, sure. got d- done with the list of things that were going to be done, and I, and I stopped and I said, I have one more thing. And I waited, because again, anyway, the guy's writing, and he's looking down, he's writing, and I said, I have one more thing. And I stood there and I waited until he looked up at me and I said, I need you to understand. I don't want a license plate frame. If you put it on this car, the minute I get home, I'm going to trash it. So you're just wasting your own money. Please don't take the time. Awesome. And that stopped it. Awesome. But at the same time, that's just, they they expect people to not pay attention. And then it is free advertising. It is. And that's what they expect. And they're just trying to sneak it by. But if you ask nicely, they'll probably take it off. All right. uh, Let's see here. Oh, Car of choice for a cannonball, cannonball style road rally. Hmm. TNT149 is asking on Instagram. Cannonball, cannonball run style road rally. Aston Martin. Really? Aston Martin. Which one? Uh, I'd go Vantage V12 if I could pick it. Would you? Because, come on, comfortable, sexy, has good handling, but it's not really the point of the, of the cannonball run. You want some power, you want class, and you want something you can sit in for a long time. Yeah. I was thinking the Mercedes-AMG GTR. Yeah. I was yeah, thinking I that. It. Just high-speed GT car. Man, that car's got power. Blam. That'd Remember be. when we had that at the last Motor Press Guild track day, and I was on a back road, and I turned a corner, put my foot in it, and just I, I had that kind of <laughs> burst-out laughing moment because it was just like, oh, my gosh, that's fast quick. Yeah, I, I, I cannot believe that off. number just happened. You know? That made me think of the uh, F-Type SVR. Sure, sure. That'd be an interesting car. Mm-hmm. Well, but oh, all nice of these, GTR. we're thinking all along the same exact lines, which yeah. is that kind of long nose, front engine, hangout car that's just sawing through the miles, you know? Those <laughs> I are love awesome. that you went to British cars immediately. I don't know. I love that. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I'm still looking here. We have another uh, Track Daily Crush that came in from uh, Hal Bullock wrote in and said... Uh, He's he's doing he's doing the all Honda track daily crush. Mm. See this? Yeah. Two thousand four NSX, that's first gen NSX. Two thousand eight Honda S two thousand. Or brand new twenty eighteen Civic Type R track daily crush. Ah, uh, this is actually kinda hard. It is kind of difficult, I have to admit. I mean, this is the two cars from Honda at the top of their game and the brand new one that is absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm going to <laughs> I, what am I going to do? I'll take this. I'll take this. Uh, I'm going to daily the Civic because the Civic is genuinely fun, and it's genuinely fun in the mundane. 
It is, yeah. And you still have the four doors, and you have a hatch that's actually surprisingly big. It's bigger than it looks based on the styling of the car. We have this in Season 3. It's actually interesting that some of the dis- discoveries we make about the Civic Type R versus the Focus RS. So that is a great everyday car, a mm-hmm. great daily car. Yeah. I'm going to track that NSX. I'm going to try to embrace my inner Ayrton Senna. Maybe I'll wear some some sandals, I mean some uh, some loafers, <laughs> and I'll I'll try and fail to do my inner uh, Ayrton Senna and track that car, which means I am crushing the 2008 S2000, and that pains me a bit, mm. but uh, I think that's my answer. I, I don't think I can. Ah, yeah, that's, that's tough. I'm going to have to crush that S2000 too because the NSX and the Civic Type R are so good. But I might swap. I might daily that NSX. And, and track the Civic and Type track R? track the Civic Type R. Okay, all right. Even though you'd think, being front-wheel drive only, it's not going to perform. Yes, it will. It's cool. It's cool. I think it'd be pretty fun, just like the touring car kind of style <laughs> tracking. But I'd, I'd I mean, want to drive that NSX honestly, the all Civic, the time. The Civic Type R, that ridiculous wing and styling, almost only belongs on a track. Yeah, that's kind of what it I'm just, thinking. It looks like somebody just got crazy with aerodynamics and body panels. But let's put this here. Yeah. yeah. All right, Hal, nice one. Uh, what else? Oh, did you see Scott B. asked uh, about driving tips for new parents? <laughs> did you see that? Brace yourself for random substances being thrown at the back of your head <laughs> in the back of the seat. That's really the best driving tip I can think of. I am not a new parent, but I will say, stop looking in the back seat. Mm. Stop looking constantly in the back seat and yeah. checking and double checking and triple checking and constantly checking about, is the kid okay? Hang on. I can, I can answer that. I can answer that. There are various products that you can get. Now, if you look back to minivans... Some of the Honda minivans, you actually drop down. There is an actual con, uh, convex yes. mirror that actually shows you the entire back seat. Many minivans but, have this. But hang on. Even if you have a rear-facing child seat, they actually make this mirror that you hang on your rear seat. It hangs on the backrest of your rear seat. And if you position it right, you can glance in your rearview mirror that then shows you a reflection of that mirror that shows your child's face in the rear-facing child seat. You never have to turn around, and it takes you no longer than it would to check if there's a car behind you. You can set that up, and that is brilliant. Yeah. Because you can glance. Because what happens, especially with rear-facing child seats, what happens is you want to know what's going on. Are they asleep? Why did they just cough? What was that they just threw up? I mean, this is what happens, okay? But so you want to you want to be able to check in. Yeah. But at the same time, turning around is not the answer. I fully agree with that. But you can set up this mirror reflection thing, and you can pull that off. Which I like. I'm just saying, it just seems like everybody is just driving so much slower and not paying attention to what they're doing because they're checking so much on the kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pay attention to your driving. Remember that you are driving. Mm-hmm. And if it really, truly is an emergency, pull over. Agreed. Agreed. But yes. don't keep just putzing along 25 miles an hour in a 45 or something like that where you're actually causing traffic or, yeah. you know, causing a problem. Anyway, that's that's my tip for the day. Well, and I would, I, would, I would say you've touched on something there, and that is there is absolutely nothing wrong with pulling over. No. I, I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Pull over and figure out what's going on. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. I will add to that another thing, and that is about parking or backing up, whatever that is, and you're not sure if the car is going to clear, there is no shame in getting out and looking. (laughs) There's no shame. (laughs) There's a lot more shame if you run over the rock or the curb or hit the car in front of you or back into something else. There's a whole lot more shame, but there's zero shame. And you know what? I'm just not sure. I can't really tell where the corners of the car are. 
Get out and look. <laughs> that is Here's perfectly crazy, okay. crazy idea. You'll feel so much better about yourself when That's you don't hit the thing. That's very funny. You know, another thing that happens, and it's not really a brand new parent thing, but it happens over time. You know, my son is now eight, and obviously he's driven me, with me in all kinds of equi- uh, situations. I'm still really surprised, really surprised, at how often he goes, hey, Dad, look at this. Mm. And I say, No. <laughs> I'm I'm, cur- I'm currently driving. I'm yeah. currently looking down Good. the road. The more you can can express that to your kids. I mean, look, your kids are going to need stuff in the car. I get it. I yeah. totally get it. You cannot get away from it. But the more you can instill early on that you are currently doing something. It doesn't mean you're not available to them entirely, but you're currently in the middle of doing something that takes your concentration. You as a driver should should allow yourself to admit that to your child. Yeah. Because the the turnaround thing is is I'm gonna go ahead and say it it's borderline deadly turning around while driving yeah so yeah. please don't do that wow that's uh, kind of sparked another thought in my mind about kids and their ability to look and I'm talking about crossing the street oh okay they're not used to and they're not tall enough and they're they're not thinking about speed and closing distances <laughs> yeah. when they might think it's clear to cross and then you look and decide. Actually, no, it's not because mm. there's a bus coming or something Oof. else, and the closing distance is a lot faster than you think because they're not used to relating to that yet. Mm. And so that is always something to be cognizant of. I'm noticing it more and more. It's just they're, they need to be told because mm-hmm. their ability to think, you know what, it's clear to cross. No, you know, let's wait for the truck, or you forgot to look behind you, or mm. something like that. One last new parent thing that I actually think is good news iPads, phones, Kindles, these are your friend. (laughs) These are your friend. I understand that every parent feels differently about amount of screen time and that kind of thing, but I am telling you right now, as somebody that has done it, if you want a road trip in the modern time, those are the best gadgets on the planet. (laughs) Get your your child one of those. Don't worry about the in-car DVD. No, get yourself one of those. That's gone headphones for your child, and happiness will occur. And I mean happiness for you, the parent. (laughs) Did you see Sam H's question on here about his two week trip to Europe? He was asking, "What car does Europe get that we would most like to see sold here in the states?" He said that his would be the Audi A1. That would be his next pick. And you know, you could piggyback on that and say the S1. But I actually have three, Sam, and that is the Audi RS4. The Audi RS6 and the Hyundai i30N, all cars that are only in Europe and I want to see here in the States. Alpine A100 and I'm done. Yeah, that's that, got to come too. That's the only one on my list that isn't. Everything else is secondary to that car. I can't wait to drive it. Can't wait. Totally agree. That's a, that's a Cayman discussion I, I, happening I right feel there. Like, I feel like that car could be the kind of car I really want to own. I really think it's in that category for me. Based on what I know of it, it's the mm-hmm. kind of car I would own. And I'm desperate to drive it, and I wish it would come here, and it just won't. All right, so we're going to have to go there and drive it. Yep. Love it. All right, what else we got on here? Uh, I am still looking up more. There's so many here. I've got to look up some more of them. Oh, there's a question from Paul C. asking about auto manufacturers, and why don't they put USB ports next to the rearview mirror for dash cams and radar detectors and things like that? I love the idea. There's actually a few cars that do. The Mm. Expedition has a 12-volt power plug pretty near the top of the instrument panel Mm, the cayman has an extra one down low on the passenger side 
actually where the subwoofer is that located. That feeds up and around, yeah. I and I that. use that for my radar detector. Mm-hmm, I plug in and mm-hmm. the cord just snakes right up over the air conditioner vent right there. But I take your point. They haven't put the USB ports up high, and I like it. I think the 12-volt the would actually almost be better for things like the the radar detector. But for a dash cam, that would be excellent. Yeah, it'd be cool. And plug I mean, into the system. Well, but everybody is using that as kind of, it's kind of become the universal gadget power source. Whether USB. it's power or data. Just USB. Right. Just, that's become universal. They should become a lot more ubiquitous. I totally agree with that, yeah. Mark B is also saying, you know, hey guys, I know you're backing away from YouTube, but have we ever thought about doing video collaboration with any automotive YouTubers? Mm. Uh, we've had Jason Fenske uh, engineer and explain, and we certainly have been on Matt's. He's been on ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. We have thought of that. And I wouldn't say we're backing away from YouTube. As a matter of fact, we have a lot of fast blasts coming your way mm-hmm. and some more stuff later in the year. So we are definitely still paying attention to it. It's just our focus is definitely more on television and Amazon. So that's yeah. really where things have gone for us. It's become. But uh, closer to the coming. bottom, it's coming closer to the bottom quarter, if you will, because there's a lot of content things we're worried about at once. Sure. I would say it's in the bottom 25% of stressors, and it used to be in the top 25% of stressors of must do something now. So it's still feeding it for sure. But uh, but yeah, the, the thing about the collaboration deal is, and I don't mean this to sound weird, but it's easy to put a lot of other automotive YouTubers on this podcast. I'm happy to do that. Doing video with other automotive YouTubers, my question is, and I'm kind of posing this, and do what? Hmm. Because what you and I do is pretty locked down. What you and I do is pretty specific. It is. We're not sure. really goofy guys that are going to go out and vlog. We'd be a little bit out of place in that scenario. A vlogger would be out of place in our scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there, we've done, we actually did a piece with Tom once where it was all three of us reviewing a car. Right. So we cut in, in between three people at once. But Honestly, not everybody. Now, Matt Farah would do this great because he does this great. But not everybody that does automotive YouTube reviews can sit from just shoot from the hip and review a car. That's a lot harder than it appears. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, even people that are very successful, don't do it well. Yeah. So yeah. F- incorporating somebody into what we do is a little odd. and Incorporating us into what they do, also a little bit odd. We love meeting them. We love hanging out with them. We're not against it. It's just there hasn't been, if you will, an organic way to integrate ourselves either direction. But having them on the podcast is perfect. It's easy. I mean, everybody loves to debate cars. So, yeah, we definitely welcome that. And if you've got more suggestions for us, let us know. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. We're working on that and uh, working on other podcasts to be on as well. So stay tuned for that. Ah, there's got to be one more question in here somewhere. Well, did you see – I felt like this one was for you. Did you see the – the Shimistar uh, question on Instagram, our thoughts on roof Porsches? Oh, yes, I did. Thanks for asking. And yes, I love roof Porsches, as a matter of <laughs> fact. But technically speaking, they're not Porsches. They're just roof cars. Isn't that interesting how Germany does that? They, they put out it, – it, tell me, it, it, don't they put out their own VINs or something? Yes. As a matter of fact, they're recognized as a manufacturer. Okay. So Alois Roof is the man behind the, the company, and he and uh, Uwe Gembala mm-hmm. really started at the same time. And one of them was really going more after power, and one of them was really going more after aerodynamics is the story, kind of how it went. But both guys, both companies kind of started doing both, but they mm-hmm. had their own flavors, yeah. their own yeah, look. Yeah, their own style. But for a while, Alois Roof was getting Porsches directly from the factory, like a body in white mm-hmm. without the badging, of course. Mm-hmm. And he would build it up into another car. And so Porsche would happily supply, hey, here's some you know, body shells and doors and 
you do everything else, which he was doing. And so therefore recognized as a complete car manufacturer, even though he's yeah. starting with a shell, but just like you'd build up a race car and he was building his own thing. So they are definitely not Porsches, even though they're the Porsche shape and might be a flat six and that kind of thing. But you yeah. don't say the word Porsche alongside a roof. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, also, uh, Zee, wrote in another. We're getting convertible questions in the snow. I don't know why that is. It is the middle of the summertime. Just it, in it case is you're summer, curious. right? Uh, he asked if a if a Miata's soft top would hold up to a winter, maybe as much as five inches of snow on a really really bad oh, storm. Yeah. Would it just right. hold up? Should he do that, or should he just uh, get another GTI? Uh, why not get the Miata? Why not? Why not? There's no reason. It will hold up. I mean, is that its 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 natural state? Of course not, but it will hold up. Sure. It's, I mean, you know, and 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 then you have a Miata when the weather's nice. Right, uh, I would also right. say if you're really worried about it, you realize you can get uh, now the uh, two different generations: the NC, the prior one to this one, and the current gen. You can get them both in hardtop variants. Mm-hmm. You know, removable hardtop. Uh, yep. So you could do that as well and really solve the problem. But I think about uh, Chance's wife. Yeah. Right. She drove her Boxster. For a couple of winters, mm-hmm. and I mean, these are big, heavy Utah winters. This past one wasn't, but the one prior was a really heavy winter. Yeah, right. She drove it all winter, and the only issue she ever had wasn't even hard to, uh, soft top related. It was the, you know, you got to get the, the windows when you pull the door handle, the windows drop a tiny bit. Yeah. It was that mechanism. But that happens on all kinds of cars when it gets really, really cold. Yeah. It wasn't the yeah. top that was the issue. It was just getting the windows to drop. So I, I think if you want to do that, there's no reason not to. I'm going to say it again, winter tires, but why not? Okay, last question for me is from DRVR Mod on Instagram, and he said he's asked before, Love it. but he said he said about 928s. He's asking, mm. does it seem likely Porsche will create a 928 successor on the Panamera platform? Do we even deserve such a thing? Well, yes, we deserve that. <laughs> it's not going to happen. We all do it's not going it. to happen. They're making a coupe Cayenne. Yeah. Ugh. I know. I'm still mixed, to be honest. I'm still a little mixed on that one. On the Coupe Cayenne? On the Coupe Cayenne. Mixed is being generous. Well, I'm the Porsche super freak. I know. But to be honest, you know, he's saying and relating it to BMW's niche model practices. For sure. For sure. I don't think so. I want there to be a 928 successor. Hmm. I'm not sure who's going to buy it or in large enough quantities that it will really matter. Every car manufacturer realizes the CUV is where it's at in terms of sales. Absolutely. Hence the Absolutely. Coupe Cayenne. Mm-hmm. And that thing will sell, but yeah, I wish the 929 or whatever it would be called would come out. But I just was reading about uh, Lexus, and they're questioning their IS and GS models Ugh. because of slow sales numbers. And these are cars. Yeah. That's insane, isn't it? So how about a high-speed GT car for... Wealthy folks, uh, you're going to sell in the hundreds if yeah. you're lucky. The CUVs is where it's at. That and so I can't see them doing another 928. The you know, Coupe while we're Cayenne. while we're here, <laughs> seriously, while we're here, the Tycon, the Tycon, 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 Tycon is supposedly how it's pronounced. T a y c a n does not look like Tycon to me, but supposedly it's Tycon. The Mission E is supposedly coming, but it's going to be called the Tycon. What? on earth is going on i'm not sure i'm not loving it i'm really not i what's actually kind of dig missiony better it strangely enough i like it better for the car it's supposedly okay the name derived from turkish supposedly translate translates lively young horse so call it a cult. I mean what are we doing (laughs) seriously oh no that but honestly that's not that's not any worse uh the tycon 
Tycon. Now, look, it's going to sell. It doesn't matter what the badge is. It's going to sell. sell. I want one. If people really don't like the name, you know what they'll do, because Porsche will do this now. You can pick what numbers and letters you want on the back of the car, so it's just all just going to say Porsche. True. But Tycon is terrible. (laughs) So what's your new car? Tycon? Sorry, what did you say? Yeah, I just... What new word was that? That that is... I mean, I feel like Porsche's been pushing the edge of made-up names. Look, I'll give them credit for naming their cars. I was going to say, they at least name them, mm-hmm. even, you know, 911 they've aside. Been, they've been still. pushing the edge of viability <laughs> for a while. They have just officially passed, as far as I'm concerned. Tycon is awful. I mean, the the Macan was a bit of a stretch, but it worked. For it's sure it working. was. For sure it was, yeah. And we all had to get used to that, and now the Tycon. Huh. The ty- I'm sorry. I think it's awful. I think it's just terrible. The problem is Porsche's not giving me enough tools with which to, to defend myself properly <laughs> you, over here. You really, really want to go, no, it's not wrong. But at the same time, you know it's terrible. Yeah, you know, it's, really you know it is. Guys, thank you so much for writing to us. We really, really appreciate it. Keep writing your questions to us, and we're looking forward to more. Cheers. Let me tell you about Pete, who loved hockey and always wanted to play in the NHL. Pete played since he was three and begged his mom to let him stay on the ice. Why, some nights he even slept in his hockey skates. Pete practiced and practiced until one day. When he was 47, Pete realized he just wasn't that good. So he threw his skates in the trash. But then he heard how Geico, proud partner of the NHL, could save him money on car insurance. So he switched and saved a bunch. So it all worked out. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.